Welcome to You Can't Get to Heaven in a Miniskirt. My name is Jessica. And my name is Sarah. And we are your hosts. And if you'd like to find us on social media, you can find us on Instagram and TikTok at Heaven in a Miniskirt and Twitter at MiniskirtPod. Or you can visit our awesome website at HeavenInAMiniskirt.com. So now that that's out of the way, what is our episode about today? Our episode today is about speaking in tongues. So we're going to spend the whole episode just speaking in tongues and then you can interpret and let us know what we say. Or we could take a look at <laughs> at the popular views within Christianity around this topic because like every topic we're covering, there are multiple points of view and some controversy. Okay, that's probably a better route, I guess. Yeah. It's a better better episode structure. So first I'm going to... I'm going to explain what it is, because for those of you that didn't grow up in any sort of charismatic Pentecostal environment, you probably don't really know what speaking in tongues is. Maybe you do, maybe you don't. But speaking in tongues, otherwise known as glossolalia, it comes from two Greek words smashed together. So the Greek word glossa means language, and laleo means to speak. So it's essentially speaking a language but i feel like speaking in tongues sounds much more like mystical it sounds much more like holy spirity if you know what i mean yeah. like if you're just like the gift of speaking in languages people would be like yeah i speak mandarin and french and you're like oh that's not what we're talking about but can you speak to the holy spirit or uh, can you speak in the voice of the holy spirit is that what it is or are you speaking to god or are you speaking are you god speaking through you that's a great question because there there are actually a few different types of speaking in tongues that are mentioned within scripture but the first times that tongues is ever really mentioned is in acts 2 so we're gonna start right off dive it into the scripture so the feast of pentecost so basically jesus had died rose again and then he had seen everyone hung out for a bit and then he ascended into the clouds so basically, they're all just in a room, the top floor of a building, waiting for Jesus. After he ascends into the clouds? They were waiting for Jesus. Yeah, because they're like, Jesus had said that he was going to be coming back and the kingdom of heaven would be on earth. They're still waiting for Jesus. And that's why you see pretty much every generation thinks that this is the generation of Jesus coming back because of the signs of the times. Which we will also cover in another podcast, I'm sure. The end times. Yeah, so they think Jesus they think Jesus is coming. And they're all they're all just it's called the Feast of Pentecost. So they're all in one room together. And then the Holy Spirit descends like a wildfire and they all start speaking in a bunch of different languages. And then all these disciples of Jesus go outside and there's a bunch of people that are outside, like crowds of people. And they're like, how do they know our languages? Like how are they're speaking like dozens of different languages? And how do they know these languages that we grew up with? And some people are like, oh, they're they're drunk. And other people are like, no, 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 it's not that. And then so Peter stands up, Peter, one of Jesus's disciples, and he starts preaching the gospel, essentially. And he's like, we're not drunk. It's nine o'clock in the morning, not drunk. So you have the first the first case of speaking in tongues is they are allegedly spoke in actual human languages. And this is important because, like I mentioned before, there are a few different types of tongues mentioned in scripture. So one type would be 
the one in Acts 2 that we just covered where people are speaking actual languages in order to share the gospel with unbelievers. So they are given a supernatural ability to speak a language that they don't know. They've never learned, but it's a language that exists within human cultures and it's to help be a sign for non-believers to accept Jesus. So that's one type. Another type is when we get into the Apostle Paul talking about the gifts of the Spirit. There are the gifts of tongues and interpretation. So this is one that I found in my experience growing up in charismatic circles was the most common type of speaking in tongues. So it was when someone would stand up and, you know, they would they would speak in tongues. So, so that's an example of someone speaking in tongues and then someone else would stand up and they would say that they had the gift of interpretation to be able to share what was what was said because the apostle paul gets into it and he's like if you're all just standing up and speaking in tongues it's chaos so you need an interpreter if it's done publicly and then he's just trying to keep the peace at the church trying to keep the peace yeah but what about but i feel like in so many of these different videos that i've watched like there's like a hundred people speaking in tongues and just screaming is this not something different so type number three would be like personal prayer language essentially where it's between you and god Paul says like your mind doesn't always know what you need from God. So the gift of tongues is a way that your spirit is getting across what it needs and communicating with God, even though you don't know what's being said. And wouldn't God already know what you need if he knows you and knows you, knows everything about you? Yeah. And I mean, not, so that's where we get to the debate because in charismatic circles, Christian circles, there's a belief that speaking in tongues are a sign that you have been baptized in the Holy Spirit. What does this mean? The Holy Spirit has entered in your heart and yeah, speaking in tongues is a sign. So the United Pentecostal Church, they would believe that you are not actually saved if you haven't spoken in tongues because that's a sign that you have the Holy Spirit in you. A lot of other people might just believe that it's one gift, but they believe that it, it still exists today in one or all three of the forms that I already mentioned. And then you have cessationists. So this is where I grew up in the Baptist church. The one that I grew up in would have probably had a sensationist view where they thought that all the miraculous gifts of the spirit, like miracles, prophecy, tongues, interpretations, kind of stopped in around the first century, early in Christian history. And so they might believe that speaking in tongues is just nonsensical or that it is of the devil. Yeah. And within charismatic circles, there's going to be some people that point their fingers at other people. So you said when there's 100 people speaking in tongues. So the charismatic church I went to would have pointed their finger at Pentecostals and said, this is chaos. And they would probably have thought that some of it was of the devil because the devil was benefiting from the chaos because it was not it was not like leading to any sort of worship of Jesus or any sort of salvation. So the the uh, charismatic church you're referring to is the one that was affiliated with New Frontiers. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I think the one of the only places that I ever saw someone speaking in tongues, but it would, like you said, it would just be one person or maybe two, I don't know, but one person from my experience and then somebody would go up on the stage and be like, okay, cool, I'm just going to interpret and go. And they would just like say a prayer, like like they were interpreting tongues, but like, okay. 
the fun part is though i remember one so it was really awkward someone spoke in tongues and then two people were like i have an interpretation and then they fought about who had the right interpretation oh my god yeah. i wasn't there for that i'm so sad i didn't witness that that was that was in the uk oh and it's so interesting because yeah you're like do i have the right interpretation do they have the right interpretation but it should be noted that uh, and this will this reference will be in the show notes that the the vast majority of people that speak in tongues do not have any sort of neuropsychiatric illness this is not what we would call a nonsensical speech that you would see in someone that has schizophrenia like this is some this is something that someone is is experiencing and it is a very unique neuro neurological experience that this person is having like it's almost a different state when someone is speaking tongues it's almost a meditative state actually i think um we'll talk no about it's this. not <gasps> oh no it's not oh my god all right i'm so wrong i thought that it i thought that it w- would be kind of similar to meditation but then when i looked at the neuroimaging studies so again these will be in the show notes but they they did some functional mris where they were able to see blood flow in the brain when someone was speaking in tongues versus when someone was meditating and so when you meditate there's increased activity in your frontal lobe because you're really you're really trying to concentrate right you're really focusing on not getting pulled away by different thoughts and then when you're meditating activity goes down in your parietal lobe and your parietal lobe is really associated with taking in sensory information and creating a sense of self and how you relate to the world and so activity in that area goes down when you're meditating because it's kind of like that lack of attachment right you're trying to become nothing when you're meditating the sense of self kind of dissolves but when you're speaking in tongues the activity in the frontal lobe goes down and the frontal lobe like you said it's for concentration it's for does the frontal lobe is that for like logic and executive function so like mm-hmm. planning um time management um working memory all the kind of things that we use when we're when we're doing anything that requires higher mm-hmm. higher brain centers what did they hypothesize was why that happened well they said there was less activity in the frontal lobe but then increased activity in the parietal lobe and so they thought that the increased activity in the parietal lobe was because when like the experience that someone describes when they're speaking in tongues is very much it's not an intellectual one it's very much they feel connected to a higher power they feel connected to the universe they feel like a sense like a sense of transcendence almost and they're not thinking because they don't know they don't know what they're saying they're kind of just letting their they're just kind of letting things free flow and they have that this experience of things just flowing out of them and they feel connected but it's not really an intellectual experience it's really interesting I, I came into this episode fresh right I didn't want to do any research and I wanted to come in yeah not knowing anything and I've wow I've learned a lot already but I it's funny I don't have obviously I never spoke in tongues and I very much enjoy meditating so that's what I have experience with but I, and I wrongly assumed that it was very similar so and I kind of yeah I kind of assumed the same thing as well a lot of the physiological effects of speaking in tongues are very similar to meditating or or doing yoga like we see a reduction in salivary cortisol so like stress hormone is going down people are more relaxed they they tend to have a better mood afterwards. I suppose the feeling of being in a trance and meditating is actually not the same. Meditation, you're you're here right now. And being in a trance, you're like not 
really here in this moment experiencing the present moment I don't think in the same way yeah and so like it is kind of more of that free flowing and that connection with others and something greater than themselves that's kind of the feeling that people describe having and so what I was interested in was okay we kind of have seen what goes on in a brain a brain level and a body level but what the heck are these utterances what the heck the the syllables you know like what are people (laughs) what are they saying yeah and so So studies have shown that they've looked and they've gotten like linguists to analyze the structures because even if you don't have an interpreter to be able to tell what is being said, there is still there is still a certain structure to what is being said. And on on the very like surface, it is similar to the speaker's language, to their native language. So if you're an if you're English, when you're speaking in tongues, you'll be using vowels and consonants that are commonly found in English. If you are Chinese, you will use vowels and consonants that tend to be found in Mandarin or Cantonese, et cetera, et cetera. So it's based on the the person's native language. And why would this be? It's because, you know, there's they've kind of compared it to babbling. So you would I'm sure you can start to see this with your child because when a child starts babbling, oh gosh, babbles all the time. They, it's so important that children have, you know, interaction with their parents because there's a window where like when when kids first start babbling, they slowly lose all the other possible sounds that they could have related to other languages. And then they babble just in consonants and vowels of their of their native language or the language that they've been exposed to. So it's kind of so it's kind of like babbling. Not as cute as a baby babbling, but whatever. Not as cute. And so it's this stream of speech. But when you actually start looking at the groups of consonant and vowels, it's not internally organized. So on the outside, it sounds like it's organized into sentence structures, but there's no resemblance to any historical or current language. Hmm. And so some people would say, well, it's a heavenly language. Hmm. They can have that debate with linguists. So linguists have said that it doesn't really have the structure of a typical language, but it uses the vowels and consonants in the person's native language. So what would this lead me to think? Well, babbling. (laughs) It sounds like you're just saying sounds that you already know in a different structure because you're in kind of a trance. And I can see how the trance would happen because I'm assuming that a lot of tongue speaking starts when the music starts to really build. And we're going to talk about Christian music, I think, in a different podcast episode because Christian music, a lot of it is structured a certain way to invoke a feeling. And when you, when you listen to a song that's building and building and building, regardless whether or not you're talking about worshiping God or you're talking about doing cocaine, you're going to have a feeling. And a lot of people attribute that to the feeling of the Holy Spirit around them or in them or whatever. And then the the tongues start to come out, right? So it's like there, there's like that element of what is going on. So you have, you have like the sense from the music and then you have everyone around you. And it is really from like researchers point of view, speaking in tongues is really a learned behavior that like anyone can do. And it's something that obviously there's a level of social contagion, right? If you want to call it the Holy Spirit, social contagion, whatever your, whatever your worldview would say it's coming from, it's something that is done in groups and it spreads in groups. And so in my own experience, I thought it was weird at first when I first started going to charismatic circles. I was, I was a little self-conscious when someone was speaking in tongues. It made me a little bit uncomfortable. And that's probably because it's something I wasn't used to. 
and it wasn't something that I'd grown up with. And it's not something that normally happens in everyday life. You know, you're not going through the grocery store and someone saying, blah, 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 blah. like that's not happening. And so I think when it started happening, I, I found it a little bit strange, but I also found it intriguing because it's, you know, people I would talk to and they would have, they would say that it was this amazing experience, this amazing way to connect with God. And now we know from a brain level that people are having these experiences. This is really something that's a meaningful practice for a lot of people that brings them a lot of well-being. And there's lots of things that happen in sort of those Christian circles when you're speaking in tongues. Like there's things called being slain in the spirit when people will... <laughs> slay it someone in the spirit. <laughs> okay. Someone will lay their hands on you or they'll just like, they'll just uh, do a hand gesture and then people will fall down. Like I was, in, I was in rooms of people where like everyone fell to the ground. And did you? Were you the one only time, one standing? And you're like, oh shit. <laughs> oh, I'm I'm getting to that. So there was this one time in the UK where it was after a church service, and you know people were up front and praying, and everyone knew that little Sarah from Canada had never been slain in the spirit, and they're like, oh, like you're not leaving here till you're slain in the spirit, and I'm like. Okay, cool. And so there's all these, I don't know what to do. There's all these people around me in a circle. They're all praying in tongues. They're all putting their hands on me. And like, I was just getting really anxious because I was like, I don't know that this is happening for me right now. This feels very, I felt very pressured. So I was like, you know what? I'm just going to fall down. Like, sorry. I just want to get out of the situation and go home and eat some lunch. How often do you think that's the case for people? I, I think that there that there could be a certain level of social pressure for sure because the people that were considered within charismatic circles to be closest to God, that had a, a certain level of social currency. Those are the people that you looked up to, the people that you wanted to be like, the people that were in positions of leadership, they were listened to. Like these people were like, you know, the mini celebrities within Christian circles. They were the ones that were considered to be full of the spirit. So of course, who wouldn't want that when you're in that scenario? So yeah, I fell down and then, and I, I thought I would get to go home. I didn't get to go home because then <laughs> everyone was so excited and they, they paraded me around like, I don't know, like some sort of little puppet. And they're like, Sarah just had this amazing encounter with God and oh. I then I felt super guilty because I was like, ah, oh, like I know that I feel like people are having these genuine experiences, and then I feel really bad that I kind of just like fell down because I thought I would get out of the situation, and I didn't really like I didn't really have anywhere to go because there were like there were like ten people around me praying, and I, oh, no. yeah, so Poor I, baby I probably Sarah. still feel that's so awkward, a little guilty for lying about that, but I do think some of the experiences I had within Christianity, I you know that feeling of connection to something greater than me or that feeling of connection to others and that euphoria I definitely experience things like that yeah but that can be chalked up also to just sometimes you just feel have a feeling that you're connected to something greater than yourself when you're at a Harry Styles concert because honestly yeah the sim the similar feelings I had because you know it involves music and emotion I was literally just about to say that about the weekend concert because me and you have both recently gone to concerts in stadiums and they are yeah like yeah they're they're a spiritual experience everyone's united together everyone's like excited and everyone you know singing these songs that they know and yeah there's that that is spiritual that feels 
like an experience that you would have in a church. Yeah, we can find these things pretty easily in a secular world. I think that's where a lot of the cognitive dissonance started to come in for us when we were younger too, when you realize that like it's the music building that's giving you the experience. And I think the thing for me that I that I found hard was going to different groups of churches because I also had a friend that went to a local United Pentecostal church. So that's United Pentecostal and Pentecostal are different. Oh, Pentecostal would believe that speaking in tongue is a spiritual gift but that you can be saved and go to heaven without speaking in tongues but united pentecostals they would be the ones that women women aren't supposed to cut their hair or wear makeup and their you know oh. modesty is a big thing so wait you could be pentecostal and be able to cut your hair so there's all these different yeah. sects of pentecostals yeah so oh. so there's pentecostals that are that you can cut your hair wear makeup drink and then there's it's United Pentecostal where you are forbidden to drink and you're not allowed to wear makeup or dye your hair, cut your hair. You have to wear skirts and their men also have like modesty rules of what they can and can't wear. So anyway, I went to one of those churches. I went to one of those youth groups. I ended up going to their youth group quite a few times, like probably like at least like 12 times, I would say. And I went to some of the church services and found it very, very interesting because Everyone there, they were so nice. They're like some of the nicest people I've ever met, but they're very, very adamant that like you have not been saved if you don't speak in tongues. And I think it started to throw me off because growing up in my church circles, you know, there were things like, oh, we are the group that has it right. And this group, you know, this group is off the mark and maybe they're not the real Christians. Maybe they're not the real people that are saved. And then you have this whole other group, the United Pentecostal being like, no, no one else is actually saved unless they've had this experience of being baptized in the Holy Spirit, which is evidenced by speaking in tongues. And so I was at this point, I was probably 16. And I was so confused. And I left their church service once because there had been a lot of pressure for me to speak in tongues. And I just like pulled over and was like on the side of the road and crying. And then I drove past a non, it wasn't a United Pentecostal church. It was a Pentecostal church. Okay. And I was like, I just need to go in there and talk to those people and, and see their view because like this, this can't be right. <laughs> what? So I just like, I know, I know. Every episode, I'm like, what are you talking about? We were such good friends and I had no idea. <laughs> okay. So I just, I just pull into this random church parking lot and there are people there I just walk in and I'm like hey I just came from a United Pentecostal church service and I'm all confused and I haven't spoken in tongues and I don't know if like like I don't know who's the real Christians and the pastor's like oh God sent you here they're wrong you don't need to speak in tongues and obviously that was what I wanted to hear at the time because you know I wanted to know that the group that I was in was the legit group so I actually like went back to that church for bible studies quite a bit what and they were also quite lovely but I look back and I'm like, like we were, what 16 year old just sh- I was just showing up places like I'm sorry we were such losers I mean I wasn't doing anything any cooler <laughs> than that when we were 16 but like man what the fuck were you doing like why did you go to the church service on Sundays or just random bible study I uh, just random bible studies whoa okay <laughs> yeah that's a great story great story. so you didn't actually end up speaking in tongues no no, no I did okay so let's backpedal when did you but but at this other at this other church because i at this other pentecostal church because i think so you ended up speaking in tongues at the regular pentecostal church and they told you that you didn't even have to but you were like just kidding i'd like to do that now yeah (laughs) 
Okay, tell me the story. I did. I did. And then I afterwards in my head, I was like, I don't know if I just made this up or if I'm just trying to fit in. I don't know. Mm -hmm. I don't know if this was the Holy Spirit. I don't know if this was just me babbling. And I felt pretty uncomfortable and I didn't really ever do it again. Right. How many months later would that have been? Oh, like a couple weeks later. I was. Oh, that was pretty quick. I know. (laughs) Oh, my God. I was just trying to figure out my place within Christianity. And I went to a ton of different churches just trying to explore different sets of beliefs. And Mm -hmm. one of the things I really liked about this Pentecostal church. So the Pentecostals, not the United Pentecostals. The Pentecostals compared to New Frontiers. So the Pentecostals think that women can be pastors and they're very like much like gender equality. So I really like that. So obviously I was just like going a lot of places and trying to experience a lot of things and kind of cherry picking what I wanted, which everyone, everyone does. That is what we do as human beings, right? But I made some like I met some really nice people there. Yeah, I mean, church people that go to church are generally pretty nice people. Definitely not denying that. Uh, Okay, so... Jesus, where do we even begin here? God, this is a uh, this is a lot of information that I wasn't prepared to dive into. Okay, so did you also go to New Frontiers at the same time? Because this is around the same age. Yeah, yeah, at the same time. It's a lot. This is a lot. Okay, so you're you have a lot of experience with different churches speaking in tongues. Now, my experience with speaking in tongues is far less interesting, and I only experienced it like a couple times. I think when I first experience somebody speaking in tongues was probably at the new frontiers church and i just remember like looking it was like to my left back behind us i feel like me and you had brought a friend with us that wasn't christian oh no oh no and i was christian but i still was like not comfortable with that and they were like what on earth and they never came to church with us again which is fair so i just remember when you first start hearing someone speaking in tongues it's a such an uncomfortable experience for me i kind of equate it to like it makes the hair on the back of my neck stand up it feels really like oh please stop please stop please stop like this is not a comfortable situation i want to be in and even when i think about it like it makes my skin feel prickly (laughs) and this is i've maybe experienced it like less than 10 times but every time i think about it i'm like oh i get the shivers when i was first exposed to speaking in tongues i felt the same way but it's so interesting how quickly you become desensitized to something and how within subcultures of human institutions like christianity there's a whole like there's a whole lingo there's a whole different language that goes with this and by language i don't mean tongues i mean like me i could just drop things like slain in the spirit or well that's that's a what i really want to do is talk about the language of christianity because it is really common for groups of people to have their own specific language that makes it feel exclusive and i think christianity is one of these groups cults are these groups too like a lot of like really nefarious cults do this they have language so that you're like an outsider if you don't understand the language groups that aren't cults do that too so it's just i really want to have a whole episode on the language of christianity because there's so many words like even the word scripture or passage or like you said slain by the holy spirit the word the word there's so many just different things that i um because i 
have been just completely removed from Christianity for over 10 years, I don't know the language very well. And I'm like, oh God, like there's a lot to relearn in the language of Christianity. Whereas I think you are just like, you you grew up in that uh, language. You grew up in the church where it, it is like your own personal vocabulary. Yeah, but there are things like, there are things that I'm definitely out of touch on now. Mm-hmm. But up until about a decade ago, I would say I was pretty up to speed on most most things in the church. I just thought of a, a funny speaking in tongue story. So when I was when when I was at the United Pentecostal Church, so like the long long skirts, long hair, there they had like a magazine and they had George Bush, George W. Bush on it, and they're like George W. Bush is baptized in the Holy Spirit, like he speaks in tongues. What? <laughs> had a whole article about it and I was like oh my gosh like had no idea like good on him I guess but it's just funny that like for them if someone has spoken in tongues it's like an ultimate level of street cred like that person (laughs) that person is legit like that person has spoken in tongues have you ever actually checked to see if George Bush ever actually spoke in tongues that is not something I've ever heard of I feel like fact check I feel like that would have been a thing yeah fact check I'm gonna do it now spoke I'm just Googling this. Tongues. Tongues. Everything that I can see about Bush, (laughs) I'm I'm Googling George Bush spoken tongues, and it says former George W. Bush Um, slip of the tongue, slip of the tongue, slip of the tongue. So it's like he said a lot of dumb stuff, but (laughs) I don't know if he actually. And I love it. The United Pentecostal Church tends to use the term Holy Ghost instead of Holy Spirit, and I just feel like it's so creepy. Total Halloween vibes with that um gosh so i can't find it anywhere i swear to god there was a magazine article out there so okay so basically we just researched for a few minutes and found absolutely nothing so memory is a spotty thing but it sounds like i feel like you've told me this before and uh so it sounds like you know there was great journalism in 2006 just like there is today and then i thought it would be fun to pull in some terry virgo no I hate him. What about Sean McDowell? What does Sean McDowell think of speaking in tongues? We can't go an episode without mentioning him. So who do you think, Sean? What do you want, Sean or Terry? You actually have information on what Sean McDowell thinks about tongues? I'm sure he has. I'm sure it's out there. Let's see. I thought you might have it already because you you foresaw me. (laughs) So Sean McDowell wrote a book called The Bible Handbook of Difficult Verses, A Complete Guide to Answering All Your Questions. Well, that's helpful. Oh, Sean McDowell, he can answer all of our questions. Yeah. Oh, thank God. We're going to be reading this book a lot. You're going to have to give me a copy of this. Yeah. So we have the question of tongues right here. So the passage is 1 Corinthians 14, 5. I wish you could all speak in tongues, but even more, I wish you could all prophesy. So the difficult question here, according to Sean McDowell, is are all Christians supposed to speak in tongues on known languages? And he says... There is not a consensus. And when they were doing it in Acts, like we covered already, they were doing it in languages that were not known to the native speaker, but were known to other people because they were trying to be able to share the good news with unbelievers. He said that some Christian groups teach that the gift of tongue is a special heavenly language that only God understands. Okay. So he basically is like telling us what you already said. 
So basically what he said is there has, yeah, there's been a lot written on speaking in tongues issue over the last few decades, and there's no clear consensus. It would be wise for Christians to read up on the issue and study the scripture with a sound interpretive process. That is very interesting because he's like, all right, this is the answer to hard questions. There is no answer, but look at my guide on how you can interpret scripture <laughs> his interpretation of how oh to interpret God. scripture yeah, interesting. I, he's a really interesting guy and i i don't know why we keep bringing i mean i keep bringing him up because i'm like just trying to make fun of him but every time i kind of hear something from him i'm like he's towing the line and never actually saying exactly really what he believes or he just doesn't have really radical beliefs and is more of a moderate Christian and is just like, think what you want. He actually doesn't seem like that bad of a dude. So it's not really that much fun to make fun of him anymore, but I'll still will do it. No, he, he seems like a pretty smart guy. I think the reason that he makes me laugh is because he's kind of like, hello, fellow kids, and really tries to be like hip and happening whereas he's just like a 40 year old guy like we're all just kind of getting old and youth pastors just always make me laugh because of course we all have experiences with youth pastors lots of people that are listening to this have experience with youth pastors and it's just always the weirdest people want to be youth pastors so terry virgo however not a youth pastor (laughs) not a hip happening guy well terry virgo goes way back right like he came out of the baptist slash pentecostal movement in the mid 1900s because terry is quite mid quite far along in his years at this point <laughs> he's a boomer so let's see what terry virgo has to say all right back in the 60s when i was a young christian i longed to be a better witness and uh, i was so limited and i met a young pentecostal who was such a bright testimony and witness and i went to him and said hey what is it with you oh, i've been filled with the spirit to cut a long story short, I went to his church, they laid hands on me, I got filled with the Holy Spirit. I came home to my home Baptist church, laid hands on a number of my contemporaries, they got filled with the Holy Spirit. We began to uh, move out onto the streets, preaching on Brighton Seafront. We came alive, it was very exciting. We also found that we got the gift of tongues. And, and, and sometimes in prayer times we would gather and yes, someone would speak in tongues and someone would interpret and it was just wonderful. And, and we got used to that gift being part of our prayer times together. And as time went by, we began to see that there was a phrase that became a common phrase in those days, a message in tongues. And we began to question that because really it says in 1 Corinthians that he that speaks in tongues speaks mysteries to God. It also says, how will anyone say amen to your thanksgiving if it's not interpreted? So it's a thanksgiving. It's a message. It's given to God. And so we began to review that. And people realized, well, I've got that theme in my heart. I could have expressed it. God would. And we began to experience something fresh. And it was fine. Then after a time, I would say things began to get lost. Because, well, it's to God, like a prayer. And so you'd be in meetings and very often there'd be someone who would speak in tongues and then there might be a pause and then someone would pray a prayer. And to be honest, it kind of got like the coinage got debased. It was like, well, why did we bother with the tongue? Because I didn't feel there was anything very inspirational. I'm with you, Terry. Why are we bothering doing this? It doesn't sound inspirational. <laughs> and I think people began to not bother. Now it does say in the scripture, if there's no interpreter present, don't speak in tongues. And so interpretation is a gift. And, and, and the, 
it should be well if, if there's no interpreter here I, i'll hold back that's what the passage is plainly saying so I'm gonna stop that. Okay, good. <laughs> Just stop him. I'm stopping him. But essentially, the interesting thing about Terry Burgo's church is it's charismatic. It's not cessationist. So they think that all of the miraculous things that happened allegedly back when Jesus was around and in early Christian history, they think that all still happens today. So I I was in meetings where there would be a couple and someone would get a prophecy for them. Or they would get a tongue for them and it would be interpreted and it would be like, you're going to get married. There's wedding bells and like very specific things about what people should do with their lives. And I find it interesting Ooh, because creepy. Yeah, because if you're getting a message of something very specific, someone should do for their lives. The people that hold the credibility are the ones that are in leadership, right? They're the ones that have these really well-developed gifts and they're really able to hear the voice of God. Mm -hmm. So is this used as a means of control? I mean, obviously it's used as, as a means of control, but do you think the people that the the men that are in these positions of leadership are like are using it knowingly to control others or do you think it's just i think i think both i think it, anything is possible with what we know about people and the world obviously there is somebody out there or multiple people out there that are using it as a means of control or maybe there's people that are unconsciously using it to control others like I think the unconscious part is probably more common because then they say, well, I want this because God is telling me I want this, which means it's God's plan for you. And it's not that hard to make those connections in your mind when you're so deep in your beliefs of this stuff. Oh, Terry Virgo really just like brings down my energy. Like I am so like if I was ever in a good mood, just play a video of him and I just feel kind of nauseous. I now I feel I just I feel straight up bummed out after watching that. Sorry, I didn't mean to kill the vibe. <laughs> <laughs> but it would be interesting to do a future podcast on New Frontiers in general because my personal experience within Christianity, a lot of the power dynamics where I was like, ooh, this seems really sketchy was within within New Frontiers. But do you think that's just specific to New Frontiers though? Like I feel like that's a lot of power structures within maybe the more charismatic denominations of Christianity. Like obviously there's massive power structures in like the Baptist church, the Catholic church, like the Pope. But when you get to like these smaller denominations like New Frontiers, that's when I feel like the power dynamics are like way more obvious and in your face. And I think the issue that happens when you're in these smaller churches is that these leaders have relationships with individual people and they you know they believe that they have a direct line to god like god is talking to them and telling them you know there are people that identify as prophets and travel around i should start identifying as a prophet now i have seen this a lot on uh, on twitter there's just people that are like i'm a prophet and then they just like make a tweet and they're like this is my prophecy for today god has great plans for you and i could just do that and be like i'm a fucking prophet and reminds me of like a horoscope how different is that from just like uh, writing a horoscope i gotta tell you about treasure hunting have I ever told you about treasure hunting? No. So this is a practice that I've only ever come across in like charismatic circles. And when I was in the UK, this was an exercise we did within our discipleship course where you had to get in small groups and pray together and you would have random things that would come to your head like red shirt, uh, broken arm, you know, just like ran random things that came to your head and you would write them down and then... We went out into the streets to find people that fit the criteria. 
So you'd see a woman in a red shirt and you're like, hey, no. have you, has there been like a medical issue you've had recently? And then odds are, yeah, we've all had medical and <sighs> medical issues recently. So you'd be like, can I pray for you? And oh, my God, how annoyed would you be walking down the street and you just broke your arm in some punk ass 18 year old Christian comes and is like let me pray for you and you're like in a rush to get somewhere this is just what I'm imagining and everybody's probably like please don't do you know do you know who who I found who me and one of my friends we are very uncomfortable just like going up to random people so we found a couple of Mormons <gasps> oh we're my like gosh. perfect you're doing the same thing <laughs> did you guys like pray for each other yeah we just had a conversation and prayed for each other and I was like ah they're out here doing the same thing because I always felt really uncomfortable with, I don't know, inserting myself into someone's life and being like, I have this ideology and I have the key that you need. It's fair to feel uncomfortable to do that. Like, I think that that is like a good human response. It's cool to have your own beliefs. Like if I'm walking down the street trying to get to work, I'm okay with anyone who believes in whatever but like please don't stop me when I'm trying to get somewhere like I am going to assume that you're mentally ill I live in a very big city if anyone's stopping me on the street I assume that you are mentally ill or you're trying to steal from me a hundred percent of the time yeah especially I think especially in larger cities but it's like don't pray for me I'm gonna assume you're trying to rob me yeah I always wonder like how that city, like what they thought of us. Cause you know, there were like 40 rogue 18 to 22 year olds just going out treasure hunting. It's so fun. It's so funny what it was called. I, I do like how it's called treasure hunting though. That's pretty funny. So yeah, speaking in tongues, it's a whole, like there are so many other, you know, when you get into the supernatural gifts of the Holy ghost, like there are so many other things to unpack. I feel like we could have a whole episode on prophecy a whole episode on miracles the charismatic movement has infiltrated or kind of it's gone into every corner of christianity i feel like it's one of those things though it's it's kind of a little bit under wraps i don't have a whole lot else with speaking in tongues oh there there's one really good clip i because i was looking on tiktok because I was like, oh, I wonder if people would just go on TikTok and speak in tongues. And yes, they do. And there's one video of a woman at and a man at their wedding. And they're just speaking in tongues to each other. I'm going to show you. Okay. it sounds like she's saying beyonce okay the first comment on that tiktok made me laugh because it says it says the secret of speaking in tongues is that it's the only language the devil can't oh yeah can't understand. i forgot about that i forgot That's about that says. yeah the devil can't understand it yeah it's all coming yeah. together. Yeah, the, the devil can't understand. We can't either, but the devil definitely can't. Okay, wow. That was, um, yeah, that was a cool wedding. That's how I, like- I just find it so interesting because it's such a different culture that that is just like a typical thing that could happen at a wedding. Yeah. Of these charismatic people. They're like, and everyone there is like, woo. Like, yeah, I like the like, whoever was doing that. I'm, I'm here for it. Woo! <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, it sounds like they're having a good time, but God, I, I, that was a lot. 
That was a lot. And I think Terry Virgo would have some things to say about that because there was no interpreter and it was confusing. Where is the interpreter? What's the point if there's no interpreter? That is that is the big question. God, send us more interpreters. Send us more. Maybe the people on TikTok are there to interpret. Maybe. Maybe that's the point. They sent it. They put it on there. They're like, someone needs to interpret this. Then there's some people that are speaking in tongues in the comments. I don't know if they're like making fun or if they're like actually typing in tongues. I don't know. <laughs> Is that a thing? Tell us. Please tell us if that's a thing. I think they're probably making fun. So, yeah, I think I think it's very interesting. I think the research on the state of mind when you look at the brain level is interesting. I think what we have to say at the end is people are having an experience, Mm -hmm. whether it's a magical language that the devil can't understand or it is babbling in consonants and vowels from the native speaker's language. Who knows? Who's to say? Sean Sean McDowell doesn't know. If he doesn't know, then none of us do. He is is the, uh, the ultimate resource for all things Christianity. I mean, his book covers every topic. I definitely believe if we want to talk about our gut feelings, I'm definitely going to go with babbling in consonants and vowels from your native language. I agree. Yeah. Okay. I think that as an agnostic, also who knows, but my gut it would lead me to believe that it's people having an experience and they're having an experience. It's an interesting brain state to be in. It reduces stress. So I, I can see why people keep doing it. You know, people will find some benefit in that. Yeah, if they can't drink or have fun, then you might as well speak in tongues because there's nothing else to do in this life. Well, okay, this is just one more aside because it says don't be drunk on wine but be drunk on the holy spirit that's a bible verse and so a lot of people would be like it's way more fun being drunk on the holy ghost you don't eat alcohol so you're not the first person to say that oh no drunk on the holy spirit okay well i'm gonna go i gotta go get drunk on the holy spirit i hope that everyone enjoyed this podcast episode are we going to do story time with sarah before leaving yeah okay Welcome to Storytime with Sarah. Sit back, relax, and enjoy a story from our favorite book, the Bible. The reason why I chose this story today is because a lot of the time people say that the gift of tongues is God's way of making things right, like they used to be when everyone could understand each other. And so we're going to go back to Genesis 11 to the Tower of Babel, Babel, I don't know, whatever way you want to say it. Do you remember this one, Jessica? Nope. I have no idea what you're talking about. Oh. <laughs> I know like one Bible story. I got I to gotta admit, I really tuned out a lot. Uh, I didn't, I was very bored a lot of the time. I just wanted to sing. So unless there's like the story in a song. Yeah. Well, let's get into our time machine and we're going to travel back about 6,000 years ago when everyone spoke the same language, allegedly. <laughs> Um, Everybody did, yes. Everyone, so it says at one time, everyone spoke the same language on earth. Come on! Yeah, and they said to each other, come, let's make bricks. And then they're like, let's build a really tall tower that reaches to heaven. It'll make us super famous. And then we will be able to see everything all across earth. And then it says God came down to look over the city. So I don't know where God was, but God came down and was looking. And God took one look and said, one people, one language. Why, this is the only first step. No telling what they'll come up with next. They'll stop at nothing. Come, we'll go down and garble their speech so they won't understand each other. Then God scattered them from all over the world. 
and they had to quit building the city. That's how it became known as Babel, uh, because there God turned their language into Babel. From there, there God scattered them all over the world. So God was essentially like, they're saying that they want to build a tower to be impressive. And I'm scared of what humans are going to do if they can all speak the same language and work together. Like, that's scary. What are they going to do next? And so God came down and was like, boom, boom, boom. Okay, now you all speak different languages. And now you can't understand each other. And now you can't build a big old tower up to heaven. That is the silliest Bible story. That is very, very strange. This is a strange Bible story. Why? Yeah, it's... Why would... I, I, can't, I can't start to imagine getting into the mind of God, but it doesn't make any sense. Tell me your... Inter- What's your interpretation of this Bible story? I guess, I mean, Old Testament God says, I am a jealous God. So he's jealous that people like each other. He ha- He has an ego. He would say he has an ego. He says he's jealous. He doesn't want anyone to try and have an idol or like try to be like him or try to be as high up as him. He wants to be the the top dog. And it's just so interesting because like say someone or something created the whole universe. If you look at the size of the universe and the size of Earth and the size of this like little tower that humans were building 6,000 years ago, like you can't even make buildings that tall. But yeah, the Tower of Babel. So the Gift of Tongues is a nice bridge because it provides a language that not even the devil can understand. Goodbye, devil. We tricked you. <laughs> God. I'm so, so, so with that. So with that. We have covered speaking in tongues. We sure have. Give it a try if you want to increase the activity in your parietal lobe. <laughs> um, if you'd like to increase the activity in your frontal lobe, then try meditation. So yeah, you do you, do whatever practice connects you to others, your God, your universe, whatever. You do you and... Yeah, you do you, boo. I need to go get drunk on the Holy Spirit, so I'm out of here. Bye. Bye. comments and it's just so it says i can yell gibberish at my wedding too